بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يحده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن أحسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الحدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار uh, So today we continue this uh, short series of uh, lectures and the current topic that we have been discussing for the past three weeks this is the fourth week so this is the fourth lesson on this topic is Sheikh Ubaid Hafizahullah Ta'ala commenting on some of the Athar Salafiyya some of the uh, narrations from the time of the Salaf emphasizing sticking to the Sunnah holding fast to the Sunnah and avoiding a deviation avoiding uh, controversy avoiding misguidance avoiding innovation and so the sheikh has brought together in this section 14 narrations of 14 statements from uh, the salaf and from the scholars upon the way of the salaf such as ibn al-qayyim ibn taymiyyah and he finishes with a beautiful statement from sheikh ibn uthaymin rahimahullah ta'ala which we will go through today if we if we have uh, the time and so these these narrations and these statements that you have been listening to over the past few weeks as we mentioned in the previous lesson that all of these narrations should be seen in the context of allah azawajal uh, putting within this religion putting within this religion certain principles and teachings which will ensure that this religion is preserved and that it will not follow the course of the way of the Jews and the Christians and other than them who basically altered their religion and they, 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 they uh, distorted and altered their religion and there isn't any faction among the Jews or the Christians or anyone who received a prior book who can say this is what for example Abraham was upon this is what Musa al-Islam was upon Moses this is what none of them can actually say that because they do not have integrity of the text integrity of the revealed text nor do they have the integrity of the prophet statements that they are following they can't trace back these statements nor do they have integrity of the understanding right so there's the book there's the explanation by the prophet and then there's the correct understanding of all of that right so for example with Isa salam, Jesus peace be upon him there is the Injil the Injil which is the speech of Allah Allah spoke that and revealed it to Isa salam, Jesus and then Isa salam, he spoke 
he spoke and he commented and he affirmed some things and negated some other things and commanded some things and prohibited some things and he explained the law and clarified the law. So this now is the speech of Isa salam. And then you have the disciples, the Sahaba so to speak, of the Prophet Isa salam. And they have statements, they have, they have uh, statements, they have clarifications, uh, and, and we mentioned also, just by way of example, that after Isa salam was raised up, there was controversies which were entered into the deen of Islam that Isa salam came with. And one of those controversies was to do with actions. Actions, al-a'mal, the righteous actions. Are they from Iman or not? And does a person need to bring righteous actions in order to enter paradise or not? And so what happened is that there were some, some innovators, mubtadi'ah, innovators, just like we say in Islam. And they, from them was, was Paul, the man called Paul. And he entered many, many things, many corruptions into the religion of Isa salam. And one of those things was that a person can be justified by belief alone without deeds and the law right in other words what this means is a person can have salvation a person can be saved and enter paradise merely by belief alone without the law and without righteous deeds right this is something that he innovated that none of the companions the disciples of Jesus, peace be upon him, that they knew. They never, they, ne they never knew this. And so for that reason, one of the disciples called James, he wrote a refutation. And this is in the actual, new, you'll find in the New Testament, the book of James. And you will find if you read that, he's, and this is the amazing thing, that he's actually refuting the idea that deeds are not from Iman. And he's bringing arguments against that. Right? That you must bring righteous deeds in order to enter into paradise. Right? So you see that the companions of Isa salam, they did exactly what the companions of Muhammad sallallahu did. Right? When, when innovations appeared and entered and foreign statements, you know, incorrect beliefs, they clarified the truth. So the point being... My purpose in mentioning all of this is that these narrations that you are listening to, they are extremely, extremely important narrations because what, 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 what is being taught through these narrations are principles and methodologies which can be taken directly from, from the texts that ensure the preservation of this religion, the preservation of its creed. The preservation of the acts of worship. Right? And so this is what we mean when we say adhering to the way of the Salaf, sticking to the way of the Salaf, sticking to the Athar, sticking to the narrations. Right? Because the people of previous uh, you know, revelations, they, know, they, they don't have this. They can't say, this is the speech of Allah, this is the speech of His Messenger Moses or Messenger Jesus. And this is the speech of the companions. It's, it's all confused and mixed, and, and we can't, we don't know what's what, right? So these narrations, as we said, they should be understood within this context. 
So we are on the 10th narration brought by Sheikh Ubaid, Hafizahullah. And this is another statement from Al-Imam Al-Barbahari, Rahimahullah, in his book, Sharh Al-Sunnah. And he said, Mathalu Ashab Al-Bid'ah, the, uh, the, the, the example of the people of innovation is like the example of scorpions, al-aqarib, scorpions. They bury their heads and their bodies in the sand. The scorpion buries its head and its body, so it's, it can't be seen, in the sand. And they bring out their tails. And so when they are able to, فَإِذَا تَمَكَّنُوا لَدَغُوا When they are able to, they will then uh, bite or sting. And so he says, وَكَذَلِكَ أَهْلُ الْبِدَعِ هُمْ مُخْتَفُونَ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ فَإِذَا تَمَكَّنُوا بَلَغُوا مَا يُرِيدُونَ He says, this example of the scorpion, it is the same with the people of innovation. They conceal themselves amongst the people and then when they are able to gain a foothold, then they reach what they desire. Right? So this is the similitude of the people of innovation, the people of deviation, the people of misguidance, who bring these alien foreign statements, beliefs, methodologies, ideas into Islam, and they desire to promote them. <clears throat> so what they do is that they lie concealed, buried, hidden, obscured, uh, until they, they you know, become accepted amongst the people, and then they find the opportunity to then spread their poison, to disseminate their poison. And so Sheikh Ubaid, he commented upon this uh, very briefly, and he said that from, from like the statements that have been said and circulated amongst the people, there's like a phrase that is said amongst the people, which, which is, you know, it's like advice and it's correct and true, which is tamaskan hatta tamakkan, which means that you should, um, you know, settle down in a place till you become firmly established or firmly rooted. This is like a general piece of advice. But it seems that the people of Bid'a, people of innovation, have taken this and implemented it and used it in the way that they try to spread their beliefs and their doctrines, which is conceal yourself firstly, you know, uh, don't openly come out and make yourself visible and exposed, you know, like the scorpion. And then when the people are comfortable and they, they are not, not suspecting, then you basically take your opportunity to, to spread the poison. And this, the reason why the Salaf mentioned this, it's not, it's not made up or anything, it's because this is precisely what the people of innovation used to do. And I'll give you, I think I gave an example previously, uh, from, from an Ash'ari scholar by the name of Abu Bakr al-Baqilani. Right? He's one of the famous early scholars of the Ash'aris. And when he was in uh, Iraq, in Baghdad, he would... Uh, out of fear of the, of, of the Hanbalis, he would call himself uh, Abu Bakr al-Baqilani al-Hanbali. Al-Hanbali. Right? And then at other times, he would call himself al-Ash'ari. Right? So he would, he would, in order to gain acceptance among the people and to conceal himself, 
then he would, you know, he would, he would take this step in this approach. And one of the uh, scholars, Al-Isfara'ini, uh, he used to be in the same town as Al-Baqilani. And then people would visit, and from that town they would go back to their homes, and because they'd sat with Al-Baqilani, they were speaking with the statement of the Qur'an being created. The Qur'an is created, right? So this scholar, he realized that when these people come and go back to the various parts of you know, the, the, the Islamic you know, world that they are coming from, they are traveling from, right from Khorasan and from here and from there, they might think all these people are going to this location, coming back and they're saying the Qur'an is created. Who, who is there in that place? It's, it's Al-Isfara'ini. They must be taking it from him. right? So in order to free himself from this, he used to come out openly on the minbar and elsewhere and openly announce that this is not my statement and this is the statement of this Baqilani who is who's a mubtad, who's an innovator. So do not narrate this from me, do not take this, you know, do not uh, uh, ascribe this to me. So the point being that the way that the people of Bid'ah, they disseminate their falsehood is something that the, the scholars of the Salaf have made us aware of because this is the reality of, 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 of these people. So this is the 11th, uh, the 10th statement and the 11th statement is a statement from Imam As-Sabuni and he wrote a tremendous book called Aqidat al-Salaf Aqidat al hadith The Creed of the Salaf and the People of Hadith and in this book he makes a statement and he says Alamatu Ahli al-Bid'ah Alamatu Ahli al-Bid'ah Al-Waqi'atu Fi Ahli al-Athar So one of the signs of the people of innovation is that they attack and revile the people of the narrations the people of the narrations so in, in every age in every era you will find that the people of, of Bid'ah and Dalala they, have, they always devise labels titles that they use to throw at the people of truth in order to uh, confuse and take away the common people or the average people away from, from the people of knowledge. And so he gives four examples which happened in that time, back you know, in the time of the uh, Salaf, early Salaf. And some of these things continue till this day. So he said, وَعَلَامَةُ الزَّنَادِقَةِ تَسْمِيَتُهُمْ أَهْلَ الْأَثَرِ حَشَوِيَّةِ This is the first one. That a sign of the heretics is that they label the people of narrations as Hashawiyyah. What does this mean? Hashawiyyah means like the lowly ones or the worthless ones. Worthless ones. They just go around and they gather every, everything, every little piece, every little thing. They gather it and they bring it all together. What do they, what do they mean by this statement? What they mean by this statement, this actually comes from the Mu'tazila. The Mu'tazila and people like them. And what they, what they what, as you know, we, we mentioned previous, in a previous lesson, the usul, the five usul of the Mu'tazila, the five principles of the Mu'tazila that they built their religion upon. You know, the first one, they call it Tawheed. 
but really it's negation of the attributes. Secondly, they call it um, al-adal, justice, but really it's negation of al-qadr. It's negation, it's denial of al-qadr. Right? And then thirdly, they say al-manzila, bayna, bayna manzilatayn, you know, a position between two positions. And what they mean by this is that the sinful person in this life is neither a kafir nor is he a believer. Right? And they defer it to, to and they, they don't, uh, you know, uh, give, give an actual label. Uh, likewise, uh, so anyway, th- these are the principles that we mentioned previously. And one of these principles is the denial of al-qadr. They deny al-qadr, that Allah knows what is going to happen, that Allah wills what is going to happen, that this has been written down, that Allah creates and brings about what is going to happen in his prior knowledge. They deny this. And because of a shubha that we said, because they couldn't reconcile this with the idea of justice. So when they came across certain texts and certain verses of the Quran, Tabbat Yada Abi Lahabin Watab, right, which which condemns Abu Lahab to hellfire. Or when the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, when he said that the creation of one of you is brought together in his mother's womb. You know, in, in uh, and then he mentions the stages in 40 days and 40 days and 40 days. And then after that, an angel comes and it writes four things, right? Male or female, lifespan, wretched or happy, you know, its sustenance, right? So these texts oppose their faulty understanding, their faulty intellect. And so they began to uh, reject these texts. And anyone who spoke with these texts and who compiled the hadiths that mention or which are direct or which are connected to Al-Qadr, they would, they would mock them and they would belittle them and they would say, these are, these, are, these are foolish people who just go around collecting every narration, every hadith, every piece of you know, uh, debris they find. They just pick it all up, gather it all together. They're just hashawiyya. Right? This is what they mean. Right? So, so one of the signs in that time that you know that someone is a person of misguidance and deviation, such as the Mu'tazila, is that you know that they say about the people of the Sunnah, oh, that's a Hashawi. That's a Hashi or Hashawi. Imam Zuhri is a Hashawi. Right? Imam Malik is a Hashawi. Sufyan, Sufyan Authority, a Hashawi. Just gathering narrations without any reason or intellect. Right? This is the thing that they would say. So, this is the first sign of the, uh, of the Zanadiqa in general. Other people say this as well. You know. uh, for example, uh, the people uh, who negate the attributes of Allah Azawajal. They would say the same thing. When they, when they see that the uh, scholars of, of the Salaf, they, 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 the Muhaddithun, they compile the Ahadith you know, of the attributes, you know, and then they, they said the same thing. These people are Hashawiyya. Anyway, that's the first sign. And As-Sabuni continues saying, يُرِيدُونَ بِذَلِكَ إِبْطَالَ الْأَثَرِ What they intend by that is to nullify the narrations. Right? They want to nullify the narrations. So for example, the Mu'tazila, they want to nullify the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud about Al-Qadr and the creation of you in the womb. They want to nullify it. Right? By accusing the people of being Hashawis, of being lowly, worthless individuals. The second 
Example he gives وَعَلَامَةُ الْقَدَرِيَّةِ تَسْمِيَتُهُمْ أَهْلَ سُنَّةِ مُجْبِرَةِ A sign of the Qadariyya The Qadariyya are the ones who deny Al-Qadr They deny that Allah wills and creates the actions of the servants Their sign is what do they say? They say to the people of the Sunnah You are Mujbirah Meaning you believe that man is forced to do what he does But this is false, this is not true We don't say that we say Allah is the creator of the actions and man is the doer of his actions. He freely chooses to do his actions. Just because Allah knows what he's going to do and Allah has willed what he's going to do does not mean that man himself has also at the same time freely chosen his action, right? It's, if I, it's very, very simple. If, if, if I had a poison in my hand and I said, here, take this, you have the free choice to take it or not to take it. And you know that if you don't take it, it was by your choice. And if you do take it, it is, it is by your choice. No one forced you to, to, to take it. It's by your choice. And, you know, you, you don't say, just like, for example, you say, well, you know, uh, I stole and Allah willed for me to steal so I can't really be blamed. Now, we know that's false because you are not going to basically take the poison and say, well, I'm going to take the poison because Allah willed for me to take the poison because you know that it's, you know that it's harmful for you. So you're going to take that choice not to take it because of that knowledge. So in the same way, what, when Allah sent the books, sent the messengers, and they said, this is the right way, this is the wrong way. You also have a free choice. No one is forcing you to choose this way or to that way. You freely choose what, you, what you're going to do. Right? So, so, this is what we say as people of the Sunnah. And the Mu'tazila, who are the Qadariyya, they say, you are Mujbira. You, you, are, you are basically claiming that Allah is forcing people to do their actions. And we are not saying that. Right? There are some people who say that. They are the Jabariyya over there. Jabariyya, the Ash'aris, that's, that's what they are upon. They say a man is effectively, he's forced to do his own actions. He really has no real choice. Right? His body is just like a vehicle through which Allah himself is acting. Right? So it's Allah the one who's really doing the deeds through the bodies. And then he just credits that body for doing the righteous deeds. It's like a credit. It's called kasb. Right? But it's Allah the one who's really doing the deeds through the, through, through the, through the vehicle of the body. This is a jabariyya. Right? So they are saying that man really doesn't really have any real choice. That's them over there. That's them over there. Right? But because Ahlul Sunnah are in the middle, they are the wasat, they always get accused by the people of falsehood with the opposite of their own innovation, if you know what I mean. So the Qadariyya will call Ahlul Sunnah Mujbira. And the Mujbira, the, the uh, Jabariyya will call Ahlul Sunnah the denies of Al Qadr. Right? So Ahlul Sunnah are in the middle in every issue, in the attributes, in Iman, in the issue of Al Qadr, in the issue of the companions, in the issue of the rulers and behaving with the rulers there's neither extremism nor is there neglect 
Right? So this is another one of their signs. The third sign that As-Sabuni mentioned, Rahimahullah, وَعَلَامَةُ الْجَحْمِيَّةِ تَسْمِيَّتُهُمْ أَهْلُ سُنَّةِ مُشَبِّهَةِ So this we are familiar with. Jahmiyyah, Jahm bin Safwan, Jad bin Dirham, they came into the Ummah and they brought the language and the philosophy of the Greeks, of Aristotle, of Plato, and you know the way that Aristotle and Plato spoke about what they claimed to be behind the universe, the first cause, the, the prime mover, you know, the, 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 the philosophical language, they brought that into Islam. They brought it into Islam. And when they brought that into Islam, uh, and they tried to use that language to prove the universe has a beginning and therefore has a creator, when they wanted to describe this creator using the same words or the same terminology, it clashed and contradicted the Qur'an. Because in the Qur'an there are names for Allah, attributes for Allah, actions for Allah. So basically they started negating the attributes and you know the names and attributes of Allah Azza wa Jal. So, so when they saw that the people of the Sunnah affirm these attributes because they've come in the Qur'an Sunnah, Allah, Allah has knowledge, Allah has hearing, Allah has seeing, Allah becomes pleased, Allah becomes angry, Allah is uh, above his throne, uh, Allah has wisdom, Allah has mercy. They claimed that this is, this is now, you've, you've likened Allah to the creation, you've turned him into a body, you know, and you, you are mushabbiha, you are mujassima. This is what the Jahmiyyah say. And these people have never ceased to exist until this day of ours. There are people who say this speech. And so we know from what the Salaf said that anyone who calls the people of Tawheed, the people of Sunnah, as Mushabbiha, we know that he is a Jahmi. We know automatically what, what, what he is upon. And the fourth thing, وَعَلَامَةُ الرَّافِذَةِ تَسْمِيَتُهُمْ أَهْلَ الْأَثَرِ نَابِتَةِ وَنَاصِبَةِ And a sign of the Rafida, a sign of the, of the Shia Rafida, one of their signs is that they, that they call Ahlul Athar Nabita, you know, the, fre the, the, the fresh ones, the, the, the new ones, and the Nasiba, and the Nasiba meaning the ones with partisanship. They, they have partisanship to, to Abu Bakr and Umar, radiallahu anhumah, and they dislike Ali radiallahu anhu and his family, and this is false. Rather, Ahl Sunnah do not have, you know, any ta'asab or asabiyah to any of the companions. They love all of the companions. And they know that there are amongst the companions who are more virtuous and excellent than others because the, this, this, is, this is evident uh, by textual evidence. But they love all of them and they don't ally with one to, you know, in opposition to the other. Right? So loving Abu Bakr and Umar does not mean enmity to Ali. But this is what they say. They say, no, you cannot have allegiance to Ali except with enmity and disavowal. Of Abu Bakr and, and Umar and, and Uthman. And this is false. Right? So, so when, when these people say Nasiba, Nabita, we know automatically these, these are Rafida. These are from the Rawafid. So, Al Barbahari then says, Kultu wa kullu asabiyyatun. <coughs> I say that all of this is Asabiya. This is like fanaticism and, and partisanship. And Ahl Sunnah, 
Ahlul Sunnah Ahlul Sunnah are not given except one name Wahua Ashabul Hadith which is that they are the people of Hadith and then also Sheikh Ubaid continues and he mentions alongside this uh, statement of a uh, of sabuni rahimahullah a statement a nice statement of ibn taymiyyah rahimahullah so he says ibn taymiyyah rahimahullah he says that alongside those who declare muslims to be disbelievers upon falsehood there is another group of people la ya'rifuna i'tiqad ahli sunnati wal jama'ah kama yajib أو يعرفون بعده ويجهلون بعده وما عرفوه منه قد لا يبينونه للناس بل يقتمونه ولا ينحون عن البدع المخالفة للكتاب والسنة. so he's saying he's speaking of two groups of people. one group of people are those who declare other Muslims to be non-Muslims. they declare them to be kufar. they make takfir of them upon falsehood. Bilbatil, right, upon falsehood. And he says, alongside these people, there is another group on the other side. And this group, they do not really know what is the creed of Ahlu Sunnati wal Jama'ah. What is the actual creed of Ahlu Sunnah? Like in all these topics that we discussed in Allah's names, his attributes, in Iman, in the issue of Al Qadr, in the issue of the Sahaba, in the issue of you know, the, the affairs of the unseen, the hereafter, and so on and so forth. They don't really know all of, they don't know the creed as it should be, as it is obligatory to know this creed. They don't know it. Or they may, they may know some part of it and they may be ignorant of other parts of it. And that part which they do know, they will not clarify it or explain it to the people. Right? They won't explain the correct creed in those areas which they do know <coughs> to the people. Rather, the Sheikh says, بَلْ يَكْتُمُونَهُ وَلَا يَنْحَوْنَ عَنِ الْبِدَعِ الْمُخَالِفَةِ لِلْكِتَابِ وَالسُنَّةِ Rather, they will actually conceal that knowledge. Conceal the knowledge of, of the correct creed in those areas where they do have knowledge. And nor will they prohibit from the innovations which oppose the book and the sunnah. Nor will they punish the people of innovation, nor will they nor will they criticize them, nor will they punish them. Rather, Rather, they may even criticize speech about the Sunnah and the foundations of the religion, absolutely. Right? And you you should be able to start recognizing these people now because these people exist now as they did back then. Uh, these are the people like uh, Al-Ikhwan, Al-Muslimun, Hassan Al-Banna, people like that and those who followed his methodology who basically say, you know, uh, every Muslim has the common denominator of saying La ilaha illallah. This is what we should unite around and everything else, leave it. We can, we can agree to disagree with these things and we shouldn't speak about these things and we shouldn't bring these things to the people and we shouldn't... This, this is exactly what, what Sheikh al-Islam is speaking about seven, 700 years back. Uh, these people are present now. 
and they will that they will prohibit speech about the sunnah and the foundations of the religion dhamman mutlaqan they will criticize it absolutely wala yufarriquna fihi ma dalla alayhi al-kitab wa sunnah wal ijma' wa ma yaquluhu ahlul bid'ah wal furqa and also they will not distinguish between what the book and the sunnah and ijma' indicates and what is said by the people of innovation and splitting right see the way of the people of the sunnah is very clear we say this is what the quran sunnah and ijma says this is it here it's clear and this is what is said by the people of bid'ah we make the truth clear from the falsehood but these people here they they will not do that and they'll just leave people in in just confusion in these affairs important affairs of of methodology and creed and then they'll teach things which nobody is going to differ over be righteous to your parents have good manners right be generous nobody is going to disagree with any of this the sufi will tell you this who worships a grave who calls upon the dead he will tell you that the rafidi will tell you that the mu'tazili will tell you that no, no nobody is going to disagree with you know the, these issues to do with akhlaq and 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 you know morals and manners and behavior and you know giving charity and and the hero no one's going to disagree with that right but what distinguishes the people of the sunnah is they say this is the haq the quran sunnah ijma and this opposes it and that opposes it and that opposes it and that opposes it they make the truth clear from the falsehood so the shaykh says they do not distinguish between what the quran sunnah and ijma indicate and what the people of innovation and splitting say aw yuqirruna aljami'a ala madhahibihim almukhtalifa or they will basically affirm acknowledge everybody upon their differing contradictory schools of thought they will say everybody is upon upon the truth just like just like the kuffar say they will say all religions are the same they all lead to the same destination it's just different ways right it's just different ways and everyone is upon the truth they just it's what the kuffar say about about the adyan this is batil and in the same way those people who say all of the firq all of the sects they all just finding different ways and different paths and different avenues all of them are correct all of them is not true but this is what they do yuqirun aljami' ala madhahibihim almukhtalifa kama kama he says just as the scholars when they make ijtihad in areas where ijtihad is permissible then we accommodate all of the scholars views this is correct right this is correct in other words when there's an issue of ijtihad where there is no text there's no quran there's no sunna there's no ijma it's permissible for a scholar to come up you know from his ijtihad with a view and another scholar might come up with a different view another scholar might come up with a different view right So all these views can be accommodated because these are issues of ijtihad in which there is no text and no consensus. So what these people are trying to do what they're trying to say is that the differences between the groups and parties the firaq is exactly the same, right? So the Mu'tazili, the Jahmi, the Ash'ari, the Rafidi, the Sufi, the Ikhwani, the Tablighi, all of these are like are like the ijtihads that the ulama make. in the issues of ijtihad and this is completely and utterly false right this surfaced in the time of ibn taymiyyah rahimahullah 
And in the 20th century, this we find with the, the Al-Ikhwan and you know, other groups uh, like that. So he says, وَهَذِهِ الطَّرِيقَةِ قَدْ تَغْلِبُ عَلَى كَثِيرٍ مِنَ الْمُرْجِئَةِ وَبَعْدِ الْمُتَفَقِّحَةِ وَمُتَصَوِّفَةِ وَمُتَفَلْسِفَةِ كَمَا تَغْلِبُ الْأُولَى عَلَى كَثِيرٍ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْأَهْوَاءِ وَالْكَلَامِ He says, this methodology, this approach here of basically softness and lenience and accommodating people of falsehood, this has overwhelmed many of the murji'ah. Many of the murji'ah. Many of those people who expel actions from iman. And many of those people who are the mutafaqiha, <coughs> the fuqaha, who try to be from the fuqaha, mutasawwifa from the Sufis, mutafalsifa, those who try to be philosophers. Just like the first approach, the first approach meaning the people who make takfir of Muslims, in falsehood, that has also overwhelmed many of the people of desires and kalam, and both of these two paths are deviated, and they depart from the book and from the sunnah. Now, this is a speech of Sheikh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah, and uh, Sheikh Obaid comments and says, two, the two groups mentioned here by Ibn Taymiyyah, the first group are the takfiris, takfiriyun. Uh, these are the people who go around, they make takfir of, of, of the Muslims <coughs> upon uh, falsehood without any evidence, without any dalil, and without them even falling into that which is disbelief. Um, and the second group, uh, those who are other than the takfiriyin, who go in the other direction, and basically they basically err on the side of Lenience, right? So one side errs on the side of harshness, harshness, and the other side errs on the side of lenience. The Sheikh goes on to <coughs> comment, <coughs> the Sheikh Obeid saying that today we have Al Ikhwan, Al Muslimin, and Jamaatul Tabliq, and many other groups which are present today. And you know, all of these groups are basically following the, the, the teachings of their founders. They take the teachings of their founders and the books of their founders and they make that to be the, the criterion. And not the Quran, not the Sunnah, not Ijma, but the, the ideas, the doctrines, the methodologies that their founders wrote and spoke of. And uh, the Sheikh then goes on to quote a statement from Muhammad bin Sirin, rahimahullah ta'ala, one of the great imams and scholars from the early second century after hijra and he said um inna hadha al-ilm deenun fanzuru amman ta'khuduna deenakum indeed this religion or this uh, knowledge is your religion this knowledge is religion so therefore look at from whom you take your religion right look at from whom you are taking your religion the Shaykh says, if you took your religion from a person of the Sunnah, Sahib Sunnah, Alim, Fadil, from you know, a, a scholar, a person of the Sunnah, a virtuous man, then you have done well. You're, you, you, you're, you're correct. And you are, you are upright and you will be saved from the various avenues of tribulations and misguidance. But if you befriend one who is mubtadi, who's you know, astray, 
then you will perish. And the Messenger وسلم, he said, Al-Mar'u ala dini khalilihi falyanzur ahadukum man yukhalil. A man is upon the religion of his close friend. So let each one of you look at whom he makes his close friend, at whom he befriends. So this method, the Sheikh says, the warning from the people of deviation, warning from the people of misguidance, uh, there are many, many, uh, is from the Sunnah. And there are many, many statements in the Sunnah which, which prove this. And the Sheikh mentions one of them, which is the hadith of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. بِمَا لَمْ تَسْمَعُوا أَنْتُمْ وَلَا آبَاؤُكُمْ فَإِيَّاكُمْ وَإِيَّاهُمْ There will be at the end of my ummah people who will narrate to you that which you have never heard of before nor your forefathers. So beware of them. So take caution from them. And so this is just one hadith out of many many hadiths from which this principle of keeping away from and warning against the people of deviation and misguidance what you know what what it is based upon there are many many evidences uh, in this respect and then the sheikh mentions a book uh, written by one of his students a sheikh khalid bin zahawi al-zafiri hafizahullah ta'ala who is one of the uh, sheikhs from uh, kuwait and uh, he has an excellent book called ijma'ul ulama ala hajari ahli al-ahwa the consensus of the scholars upon boycotting the people of innovation. And so the Sheikh refers and alludes to that book because that book compiles all of the, of the actual uh, evidences in that respect. The next text, now we're on the 12th text that the Sheikh brings, and this is the statement of Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah. And he said, وَإِنَّمَا الْوَاجِبِ وَإِنَّمَا الْوَاجِبِ That which is wajib, obligatory upon this ummah, and upon the scholars of this ummah, bayanu ma ba'ath Allahu bihi rusulahu wa anzala bihi kutubahu wa tabliq ma ja'at bihi rusul anillahi wal wafa bimithaq illahi alladhi akhadahu ala al-ulama. He says that which is obligatory upon the people of knowledge is for them to explain to the people that which Allah sent his messengers with. And that which he revealed his books with. And to convey what the messengers brought from Allah. And to fulfill the covenant of Allah which he took from the ulama. The covenant of Allah with the ulama is that they will explain the truth. And that they will not conceal the truth. This is the covenant with the people of knowledge. And that, that, that is what is obligatory upon the people of knowledge. So Ibn Taymiyyah says, فَيَجِبُ أَنْ يَعْلَمْ مَا جَأَتْ بِهِ الرُّسُلُ So it is obligatory upon a person, and upon a, a, a scholar, to know what the messengers came with, and to believe in it, and then to convey it, and then to call to it. فَيَجِبُ أَنْ يَعْلَمَ مَا جَأَتْ بِهِ الرُّسُلُ وَيُؤْمِنْ بِهِ وَيُبَلِّغْهُ وَيَدْعُوا إِلَيْهِ وَيُجَاهِدْ عَلَيْهِ And to strive in Allah's path upon this, you know, what, 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 what uh, the messengers came with. And then 
to weigh everything that the people disputing so every dispute you find amongst the people every single dispute of you know statements and of actions whether in the foundations of the religion to do with belief or in the furur in the branches of the religion whether it is inward or whether it is outward in all of these issues in which the people have differed it is obligatory to return to return and to weigh to weigh bi kitabillah wa sunnati rasuli ghayr muttabi'ina li hawa right this is what is obligatory upon every person that he looks at every statement whether in the usul the furu' inward outward that the people have disputed in and to wait with the quran and with the sunnah without following any desire min adatin right that's the first thing adatin you could have a habitual custom in your land right and you can't put that custom over and above what has come in the quran and the sunnah you can't make the custom to be the the the, the scales of balance so he said min adatin aw madhhabin or you might have a school of doctrine in your land where you come from right there might be an, upon a particular belief if as as we see today if you go in certain lands overwhelmingly they have a certain doctrine there are rawafid in certain places zaidiyah in you know in in yemen ibadiyah on in oman you have you know everywhere you go this particular doctrines so your madhhab in your land is not the criteria it's not this it's not that which weighs the truth and falsehood the truth and falsehood is the quran and the sunnah right so this so ibn tayyib says that you must not follow the hawa min adatin aw madhhabin aw tariqatin or a tariqa right so again you might have a tariqa that you follow alluding here to maybe some some sufi path or something like this that also is is following hawa because that's not the criterion aw riasatin or even leadership political leadership you can't put political leadership ahead you can't make that to be that which weighs the truth and falsehood right like you see nowadays there are attempts for example to justify uh, singing and music and so on and so forth and you know uh, the claim that these things can be decided uh, or the final verdict can be given by, by the ruler or the government no riasa the leadership is not that which weighs the truth and falsehood it is the quran and the sunnah aw salafin meaning your ancestors use your ancestors as as the gauge as as that which weighs right so none of these adatin aw madhhabin aw tariqatin aw riasatin aw salafin none of this is what weighs the truth and falsehood right and a believer is not allowed to use any he's not allowed to fall back upon any of these five things when he looks into the disputes that ha- happen amongst the people right it's not a custom it's not a madhhab doctrine that happens to be in your land nor is it a tariqa that's followed in your land nor is it the riasa the leadership or the, the the leadership nor is it your ancestors right that which weighs is the quran and the sunnah so you neither follow hawa ghayr muttabi'ina li hawa wala muttabi'ina li dhan right so so you you don't follow hawa in weighing 
what is said by the people, nor do you follow conjecture. And what is conjecture? Then it is min hadithin da'ifin aw qiyasin fasid. Right? So conjecture is when you follow a hadith which is da'if. This is not established as having come from the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So therefore, you don't know it's from the religion. And if you don't know it's from the religion, you are now following conjecture. Right? This is dhan. And nor a qiyas which is fasid. Nor an analogy which is corrupt. It is, it is an incorrect analogy. So in other words, Ibn Tima Rahimullah here has mentioned that what is obligatory upon everybody is to weigh all of the statements in all the affairs that the people have that he finds them disputing in by way of the Quran and the Sunnah and he should not follow Hawa nor should he follow Dhan in that and Hawa and Dhan there are five ways you follow Hawa and there are two ways that you follow Dhan the five ways you follow Hawa is as he mentioned Al-Ada Habit Madhab some doctrine school of doctrine At-Tariqah you know, a way of, of, you know, like we find amongst the Sufis, or <coughs> to merely, you know, use or employ the issue of leadership and governance, or Salaf, or forefathers, you know, those, those who came before you, that, you know, they, they determine what is true. And Nawadhan, which is either a hadith, da'if, or an analogy, a qiyas, which is, which is fasid, which is corrupt. So the Shaykh comments upon this uh, statement of uh, Shaykh al-Islam in Rahimullah, and he says, this call from Shaykh al-Islam establishes or emphasizes the obligation to hold fast to the Sunnah and to leave and abandon what is other than it. And also within this statement here, uh, also is refutation of the people of innovation as well. Right. The Sheikh now makes an important point here, which is that uh, there are some people, The Sheikh says, today there are some people who ascribe to knowledge and they become angry when someone that they love is refuted for a mistake that he makes. And it is as if he claims or he sees that this is tabdiyya. This is, you, you, you know, you're, you're accusing this person of being an innovator. And this is not true. Right? Just because someone is criticized or refuted does not mean that this is automatic tabdiyya of that individual. Right? The Sheikh says, a knowledge-based refutation built upon the Qur'an and the Sunnah and the statements of the, of the leading scholars and the Salaf. Unfortunately, there are people who see this to be tabdiyah, who see this to be declaring someone to be an innovator. This is not true. right? Even if the person doesn't even declare the one being refuted to be an innovator, no. The Shaykh says this <coughs> is deviation from the straight way it is deviation from the way of the righteous salaf because a refutation which is built upon evidence this is from the most important foundations of the people of the sunnah 
And so they refute every mukhalif, everyone who opposes, even if it's from amongst themselves. They will refute that individual <coughs> with evidences. Now obviously, depending on that mistake and depending on what it is, then you know, we'll, we'll, we'll determine how they treat that individual. Now since we're, we're on this point, since the Sheikh mentioned this, uh, there's something important uh, that we should maybe expand upon this a bit more, which is that, so, so what's the shubha, what's the misconception here? The misconception is, just because you make a knowledge-based refutation of an individual, this individual could be from Ahl Sunnah. He could be upon the way of the Salaf. He could be an Alim. He could be who is upon the way of the Salaf. Just because a knowledge-based refutation is made of that individual, does this now automatically mean this is tabdi, This now you know, this is declaring to be an innovator? Is is this binding? The answer is no. The answer is no. Right? Because <coughs> there is, you know, there is a rad, there is a naqd, there is tahdir, there is tabdi'. All of these are different things, and and one does not necessitate or make necessary tabdi, right? I'll I'll give you, um, you know, I'll give you uh, an illustration, which is that. Sometimes you know that you have to warn from an individual because of a specific issue or a specific qadiyya. And I'll give you one, I'll give you one, one well-known example. Uh, from among the scholars, Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen, ta'ala, he many decades back, you know, and, and before he passed away, while, a long while before that, he wrote something and he said about the ma'iyya of Allah. The ma'iyah of Allah. That Allah, he, he's with you. Right? He said, it is dhatiyah. Right? In one of his uh, writings. And so another scholar, Sheikh Hamoud al-Tawaiji, rahimahullah ta'ala, he wrote an entire book refuting Sheikh Ibn Thaymeen, rahimahullah, on that statement. And Sheikh Ibn Baz, rahimahullah, he read that book and he praised and supported that book. And then, Shaykh Ibn Thaymeen himself, rahimahullah, against his own self, supported and aided that book as well. Meaning, which is a, a refutation of his own mistake. Right. So just because you correct an error that has been made, does this automatically necessitate tabdi? Of course not. Right. Because, because everyone and anyone can make, can make a mistake. But a person of the sunnah will take back that, that mistake. Right? Because they desire only the sunnah. And because they slipped or they erred or they misunderstood or it was the slip of the tongue or whatever it might be, then they, then, 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 then they come back. So meaning that it, there, there are many scenarios in situations where an individual who is from the people of the sunnah or among the people of the sunnah in an issue, an, a mas'ala, a qadiyya, issue, whatever, he may be criticized for that. It could be a knowledge-based issue he's erred in. It could, could be uslub, right? It could be like just uh, approach and behavior. It could be some idea. It could be some issue, right? And just because he is criticized and, uh, you know, spoken about that does not mean that he's automatically become a, a mubtadi, like, you know, someone who's automatically an innovator, right? And likewise, 
It is also the case that you could warn against an individual who is from the people of the Sunnah without that necessitating tabdi either. Right? Some people you might find some harshness. Right? Some people you might find some lenience. In fact, even historically speaking, we know that amongst the people of, of hadith, the scholars of hadith and muhaddithin, we know that amongst, the, amongst them were those who were a bit lenient. Right? They, were, they were criticized for their leniency in, in the narrators. So they were too lenient. And others were basically too harsh. So that's why their statements weren't really taken uh, on their own. Right? Because of because of, of the lenience and the harshness that, that 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 came from them, this does not mean now that they are mubtadi'a, dullal, misguided. No, right? But sometimes it is the case that someone, even it may be a person of the Sunnah, for whatever reason, uh, precaution needs to be taken from him in a certain area, in a certain issue. It does not necessitate that he has now become, you know, an innovator or that, you know, he's been declared an innovator or anything like that. No, and. So there are many, many, many uh, reasons, you know, why a person might be subject to criticism, uh, to refutation, and not in every case is it the case that he is being declared an innovator, right? Also, a person um, <clears throat> might, um, you know, a person might fall into innovation, and so we might describe and say. This person's statement is a bid'ah. Or we might say this person's action is a bid'ah. Or we might say this person's behavior is a bid'ah. This is not the same thing as declaring him to be a mubtadir. Right? This is only simply describing an act of it. It is possible <coughs> for a person of the sunnah to do an action or to say a statement which is bid'ah. But that does not make him a mubtadir. Right? And so there's, the scholars, they distinguish they have some specific terms, right? So someone who uh, acts upon an innovation, right? A speech or an action. You know, they may say this person is, is a person of innovation. Sahibu bid'ah. Why? Meaning that he, is, he, he speaks with or he acts upon an innovation. That is not the same as saying mubtadil. Meaning one who actually innovates into the religion or who persists upon an innovation after it has been made clear to him. Why? Because now he's calling other people to his innovation. So this is a mubtadi in the religion. So they distinguish between saying a person is a sahibu bid'ah and between saying a person is a mubtadi. Right? A mubtadi is the one who basically they, they describe him absolutely that he is a, a, an actual innovator in the religion or when the proof has been established upon him and he refuses to let go of his innovation, then this person is, is, is a mubtadir. So the point being that not every person who is criticized or refuted for something does it necessitate that he is being declared a mubtadir. And in between, so in between this, you know, the mubtadir, where you declare something mubtadir, and from here, people can have different behaviors and have different mistakes and different errors. And there's a period of time here, or there's a gap here, you know, which is, which, which is a spectrum of, of you know, things here. It's not like, okay, he's been refuted, therefore he's a mubtadi. No. This is, this is the false understanding of, of the hisbiyin. I'm going to read to you some narrations from the Salaf 
just to illustrate this to you, that they clearly understood this, right? So, Allah Laka'i rahimahullah ta'ala, he reports, Abdullah bin Umar al-Sarkhasi, who is the scholar of the Khazar, Khazar in the area called the Khazar. He said, I ate a single meal, I ate a single meal with a mubtidir, and Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak, Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak from the Imams of the Salaf, heard of it, so he said, I will not speak to him for 30 days. Okay, does this now mean that Abdullah bin Mubarak has now declared, you know, Abdullah bin Umar al-Sarqasi to be a mubtadi? No. This is now, he's seen something from him, which is unbefitting for a person of the sunnah. And to show my disapproval and my dislike, I'm keeping away from you for 30 days. I'm not going to speak to you. Because this deed of yours is, you know, it's, 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 it's harmful. It's harmful. Because if you're a person... Of, of knowledge and prominence and people say oh yeah, yeah he was sat with uh, you know so and so innovator must be okay to sit with him then you are aiding in the, the, the destruction of Islam by these types of actions so Abdullah bin al-Mubarak said I'm not going to speak to you for 30 days for what you've done you should know better right does this now mean that this is it's not tabdi this is not tabdi but this is where you know so, Certain stances need to be taken towards certain people for a wisdom and a benefit. Right? So it's not the case of so and so being refuted or so and so being boycotted, therefore automatically mubtadir. <coughs> this is this is not what we know. What we know is what we what we see from <coughs> the salaf and the ulama in which there is wisdom. But this is the, the these are from the misconceptions of the people who don't study these affairs. Right? They don't study the way of the Salaf. And they don't know the principles of, of, of this religion. And this is why they're always in confusion. Always in confusion. So, another narration. Ibn Waddah al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah ta'ala, in his book, Al-Bida' wa Nahi Anha, he's narrating from one of the Imams of the Salaf, who said, I was walking alongside Amr, Amr bin Ubaid al-Mu'tazili. Uh, this is the head of the Mu'tazila, Amr bin Ubaid. He's in the early 2nd century, right? In the time of uh, Ibn Sirin and, you know, that, that era. And he said, I was walking alongside Amr bin Ubaid al-Mu'tazili. And Ibn Aun saw me. Ibn Aun, from the, again, from the Imams of the Salaf. Then he turned away from me for two months. Right, so he saw him walking with the head of the Mu'tazila, Amr bin Ubaid al-Mu'tazili. Remember, in that time, you know, they hadn't fully developed the full Mu'tazili doctrine in that early period. Right, later on, when when their later scholars, you know, Al-Qadi, Abdul Jabbar, and many others, and they wrote books, they outlined, you know, Al-Usul, the five principles in their religion. But early on, this wasn't really known, right, and it wasn't. As, as clear and apparent, they, they, when, it was known that they were making certain statements of misguidance in Al-Qadr and speaking ill of the Muhaddithin and things like that. So Ibn Aun saw me, then he turned away from me for two months. Why is this? Because there's something of behavior, something, something of lenience, something of opposition to what, what we find in the texts of the Quran and the Sunnah that, that he fell into. 
So he was boycotted for two months. Not in the sense that you are, you are a misguided, deviant, innovator. No. But in the sense that this is, this is some discipline that you, that you need. Right? For doing something uh, like this. Because it is, it is bringing deception and harm. Deception for the, for the common Muslim and harm upon the religion, your behavior. Right? Another narration, Ibn Abi Hatim, who narrates from Abdul Aziz al-Uwaisi, who said, when Ismail bin Abi Uwais went out towards Hussein bin Abdullah bin Dama'ira. And this reached Imam Malik. It's Imam Malik now. In other words, Ismail bin Abi Uwais went out to a particular individual. And this reached Imam Malik. And so Imam Malik, he boycotted him for 40 days because he, Malik, was not pleased with him. Not pleased with him for sitting with this person of, you know, whatever deviation he had. This is the way of the people of knowledge. Back in those times, right? And this is in relation to people of the sunnah. This does not necessitate now that they have become mubtid. No. It doesn't mean that we, you know, we declare, no. But this is, it shows that it's not, it's not the case of just because you make a rad or you make a naqd, a criticism, or you make a, a, a tahdir even that you want, right, from a trait or a behavior or a statement or a position, you know, that, that a person of the sunnah has, does not mean that this now means tabdiyah. Automatically this is now, no, to no, it doesn't mean that at all. And uh, Abu Ja'far Muhammad bin al-Hassan bin Harun al-Mawsal, he said, I asked Abu Abdullah Ahmad bin Hanbal, I am from the people of Mosul and the majority of those in our town are Jahmiya. And the affair of Al-Karabisi, who said, my recitation of the Quran is created, has appeared there. This is a speech that began to appear. So Imam Ahmad replied, beware of this Karabisi. Do not speak to him and do not speak to, those, to whoever speaks to him. So I said to him, this statement in your view and whatever branches from it, it is all from the saying of Jaham. And Imam Ahmed said, yes, all of it is from the saying of Jaham bin Safwan. Anyway, there are many other narrations like this. All of this, indi- what, what does this indicate? This indicates showing lenience towards the people of deviation, lenience towards the people of misguidance. Right? This is what happened to the people of previous religions to the Yahud, to the Nasara. And that's why they have an altered religion. They have a religion which is Mubaddal, Muharraf. It is altered, distorted. But this will not happen to Islam. And it will not happen to Islam precisely because of this methodology that we find of the Ahl Hadith, of the people of Athar, of the people who follow the way of, of the Salaf, because all of these things that we are discussing, they are part and parcel of the preservation the sound creed, the sound methodology, and, you know, correct uh, uh, principles. Now, so once we understand all of this, it should be clear now that there can be from time to time certain people who ascribe to the sunnah, who may be from the sunnah, they may be scholars, they may, may, may have uh, knowledge and, and, and fiqh and so on and so forth, but they fall into certain things. They do not take or hold the right position against certain individuals, or they might have some ta'assub, they might have some hawa, they might have or some other affiliation or relationship, right? Because someone is, you know, an associate or, or a companion. And there are many examples from recent history. For example, the Mubtadi, 
Ikhwani Mubtadi by the name of Abu al-Hasan al-Ma'ribi, an Egyptian, used to be takfiri with Ikhwan al-Muslimin. He went to you know, Yemen, studied for a short while, paid a few visits to Shaykh al-Bani ta'ala, became well known. And really he was just a concealed Ikhwani who was waiting for the major scholars to die. Right, Sheikh Al-Bani, Sheikh Bin Ba, Sheikh Ibn Thaymeen, Rahimullah, Sheikh Muqbil. When they all passed away, 1999, 2000, 2001, this man came out openly with his revolution and started bringing all of these new, well, they're not new principles, but they, they uh, reformulated principles, which are the same principles of, of the Ikhwan, right? And he began to, you know, try to uh, spread them amongst the people of the, of the Sunnah. And so the scholars refuted him, exposed him, demolished all of his false uh, principles and arguments. And so when that becomes clear, it is obligatory upon everyone to, to, to follow suit, right? And to hold the correct position towards this innovator, right? You don't, once the hujjah is established, you don't have an excuse anymore not to take the correct position towards this individual. But then some other people came along because he was an, a friend of theirs, an associate of theirs, and said, oh, no, 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 we're still advising him, we're still advising him. Even though his affair becomes absolutely clear. You have no excuse now, right? You have to, you have to follow the truth. It's not, like we said, you don't follow hawa. It's not an ada. It's not a tariqa or riasa or, or you know, madhab or whatever, or, or companionship or associate. You know, it's nothing like that. You have to follow uh, the truth. So there were other people who came after who were not willing to let go of this uh, innovator, Al-Halabi, Usama Al-Qusi, Salim Al-Hilali, all of these, they, 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 this is where they went astray as well, partly on this issue, because they could not let go of this individual Al-Ma'rabi. And eventually, they started, some of them started speaking even with the very same principles Al-Azhim, right? So the point being, there can be circumstances and situations where a person of knowledge who uh, or is known for knowledge he may be cautioned against he may be warned against it may be said that you avoid his gatherings you avoid his lectures you avoid whatever because there are some actions that we've seen from him which warrant caution right and an example of this like a more recent example of this is the example of uh, Muhammad bin Hadi you know who's a uh, you know, a scholar from Medina, and unfortunately, he fell into some evil conduct and evil ways. You know, in a masjid in Medina, he accused a brother of committing adultery and fornication, which was a false slander. And um, he started attacking students of knowledge and, you know, giving them labels. And basically, it's like harshness, harshness, right? Without any evidence, without any uh, dalil. And uh, uh, Eventually, uh, the issue got taken to court and he was convicted by the court that he was guilty of that, for which there is a, a well-known uh, punishment. And he was refuted also by, by the scholars, you know, uh, Sheikh Rabi and others, of, you know, who exposed his exaggeration, his, his um, injustice and not having any evidence for what he says and whatever. And his affair became very, very clear. Right? He actually also caused many, many splits in the Muslim world. He caused splits in Algeria. He caused splits in, you know, uh, across Europe, everywhere. Even in the UK, he caused splits. Right? His affair became absolutely clear with evidences. Now, once that happens, you have to now follow the truth. You can't now 
start siding with him and defending him and, and, and making excuses for him. Right? Because when, when a person does that, it means now you don't, you don't value the truth anymore. And you yourself now become suspect. Right? And so this is why we say, you know, with, with, uh, uh, why we want, why, why we follow the way of the scholars. When we say, for example, when so-and-so comes to your land, don't go and visit his, don't, don't attend his lectures, don't visit his conference, don't whatever. Because there's something in the behavior of this individual that requires caution. We don't know where he's going to go, which direction he's going to go. Right? That's why you, you've seen warnings from uh, Sheikh Rabi and you've seen warnings from others that we don't attend uh, the, the gatherings and the places of uh, Sheikh Suleiman al-Ruhayli because he is a man who is defending Muhammad bin Hadi upon batil, upon falsehood. And when a man does that, and he doesn't follow the evidences, and he makes excuses for, for that which is clear, plain falsehood, then caution is to be taken, right? We're not saying, tabdi, mubtadi, no one's saying that at all. And this would be a lie if anyone said that. Right? And anyone who says that, it's mostly, basically his own misconception, because he doesn't understand what we are discussing today, where sometimes there can be a statement, or an action, or a behavior, or a position taken by someone, who ascribes to the sunnah, who is you know, uh, known by the people to be upon the sunnah. But we see in his behavior certain things where he's not conforming and not, not valuing the truth. Whether it is with Muhammad bin Hadi, most recently, or whether it, was, whether it is with Ibrahim al-Ruhili, who is his cousin. Because he was also refuted for many of his false principles which he brought, right? and he was refuted by, by the scholars for that. He never took a true position in that, in, in, in that issue either. So when you see a man not taking the correct positions in these issues that affect the, 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 the Salafi methodology and the effect which affects unity, then this is an area of caution. Right? And you've already heard the statements I've read to you from uh, the likes of you know, uh, Imam Malik and um, you know, from uh, Ibn al-Mubarak and other than them. This is how they used to be. Towards a person who, 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 from whom you see actions, behaviors, positions, statements that are not praiseworthy. And that are not upon the truth or for the truth. Right? So inshallah you should understand these affairs. And this will remove the confusion. It does not mean that just because a criticism is made of an individual. Or refutation is made of an individual. Or even a warning is made from an individual. That this now automatically means that we've made tabdiyah. But no. Even you know that um, the Messenger of Allah said to Mu'adh because he was leading the prayer with some people and he was making the prayer to be very long and he was causing hardship upon some people. So the Messenger said, Afatan anta ya Mu'adh? Are you, are you a Fatan or Mu'adh? This is, this is because of a deed that's not praiseworthy. Don't, don't cause burden and hardship upon the people. Keep the prayer short. And you know, the son of Abdullah bin Umar, the son of Abdullah bin Umar, you know, he said, we're going to prevent the women from going to the mosque. And Abdullah bin Umar said, well, the messenger said, do not prevent the female servants of Allah from going to the mosque. And he said, no, Allah, well, I'm going to prevent them. So he never spoke to him again after that right sometimes when you see opposition from an individual from a person from whatever then certain action is warranted this does not mean you know and you've written that person off as a misguided deviant and if no 
It's simply a matter of caution. Take caution, right? And in caution, there is safety. As you know, the scholars say that in taking caution, there is safety. Let's take caution. So on that note, inshallah, we'll, we'll conclude our lesson there today. We have a, a few more statements. Inshallah, we'll leave that for the next lesson. Statement from uh, Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, and a statement from Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen, rahimahullah. So we'll close there for today, inshallah. We'll, we'll continue with the final part in this series, inshallah, in the next lesson. Alhamdulillah, alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. This is what, sorry? Like Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. This is a question about a man called Jordan Peterson, and this is a, kind of like a, a, a philosopher from Canada. And this man, Jordan Peterson, became uh, well known and famous because he's taken a stance on all of this, um, you know, like feminism, women's rights, uh, transgender. You know, he's taken rational stances towards this uh, madness. And so he came into the spotlight and he became well-known. And what he does now is he has, like, you know, links or connections or interviews with many different people of different religions. You know, he'll interview a Muslim, he'll interview a Christian, he'll interview a Jew, he'll interview all sorts. But because, because he's outspoken about certain things that we all know to be wrong, you know, like uh, feminism and, and transgenderism and things like that and the, the, the stupidity of it all. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, so some Muslims think that the man has something of value to say outside of those things. And this is very, very dangerous that we start listening uh, to these people and um, start getting drawn into their... Um, you know, their, their dialogues, their polemics, and, and so on. So forth. I mean, there's a lot more to be said. I can probably say a lot more, but uh, I think the long and the short of it is that this man is a philosopher, a non-Muslim philosopher. Yes, amongst the kuffar, there are many, many people, you know, because it's fitri anyway, you know, you know that uh, homosexuality is wrong, you know that transgenderism is wrong, you know that, you know, uh, feminism is, is, you know, all of it, 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 people can see through it and then many many non-Muslims will speak very convincingly and with good rationale against these ideologies and against these uh, movements and expose them um, but you know a, a person should be aware that along with that comes a whole load of other baggage as well and so caution should be taken in kind of being drawn into and, and uh, you know getting involved uh, with these people their channels their podcasts their videos their you know, you, 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 you need to spend your time uh, studying your religion, the usul, the foundations of your religion, the affairs of Tawheed, the affairs of methodology, and to be grounded in that. You don't have time to be necessarily... Yes, if you know, there's a certain amount you need to know where you know it's false. We, we know feminism is batal. We know transgenderism is batal. It's a mental illness. We know all these things. That's enough. Why do you need to do it now? Go and find... You know, all this philosophical rhetoric. You know that. Alhamdulillah. Spend your time wisely. Spend it in ilm. Spend it in memorization. Spend it in understanding of the book of Allah. It's tafsir. You know, in learning the methodology of Ahl-Sunnah. That which is going to give you good, strong, 
solid foundation in your religion. As for these things, well, we all already know that they are falsehood. Why do you need to know anything more than that? You know, you know, we know we know alcohol is haram, and we know it's detrimental in so many ways. Now you don't need to go and spend, you know, half a year of your time going and you know. Uh, finding every research paper and every article that's been written on the dangers of alcohol and you know domestic violence and, and cr crime and this and this and, and you don't need to do all that. You you know the harms at the basic level. That's all you need to know. Keep it or keep away from it. Keep you know your kids away from it. Keep whatever. You, do you understand? There's like there's a certain amount which which where, where it suffices, and beyond that you would be, you know, distracting yourself away from that which is more important. That's all I can say, really, in brief at this point in time, you know, uh, in the short time that we have. What's the principle with regards to individuals that appear new on the scene? Yeah. So, for example, someone may have graduated from an Islamic university and all of a sudden appears in the UK and starts, starts to rule lectures. So, we have young brothers that approach us and say, well, we're starting to listen to so-and-so or so-and-so individual that's unknown to us. Well, the answer to that is already in the in the lecture itself, because we quoted from Muhammad ibn Sirin, rahimahullah, uh, where he said. Uh, you know, indeed, this knowledge is religion. So look at, you know, at whoever you are taking your religion from, right? And likewise, the messenger, the hadith of the messenger, uh, a man is upon the religion of his friend. So let him look at whom he befriends. So this is not some innovation that we've invented in the 20th or 21st century, but this is actually a prophetic teaching. And it's a principle that the Sahaba and the Salaf understood and took directly from, from, the, from, from the revealed texts. That's the first thing. So the issue of, of looking at who you're taking not from, exactly as you said, there are many, many, uh, many, many people uh, appearing, uh, we don't know anything about their background, what they're upon, who they befriend, you know. And sometimes, even like like you saw the statement from Al Barbahari, many people they wait for a very long time. They mix, mingle, lie low, wait for the opportunity when they've got followers and people attached to them. Then they will start coming out with what they really want to come out with, right? Even the examples I've given you earlier on, Al Ma'arbi, for example. I give that example. He's a person, he's come, uh, he's turned up in Yemen, right? he's acquired some knowledge there, then he's, you know, I've done a few tapes, cassettes, recorded with Sheikh Al-Bani, rahimahullah, and then these get distributed, you know, he's refuted a few things here and there. And then, once he's got that uh, acceptance, he's just waiting and lying low for the right time, to put out his poison, which is what he started doing after 2001, 2002, you know. Yet before that, he was taken to be a really strong, you know, high-powered student of knowledge and whatever. So a believer is not stung from the same hole twice, like three times for some people, you know. Um, and so 
these principles that we're talking of, of you know, uh, look at who, who you're taking your, your religion from. You should know, you know, who they are, what their history is, what's the history of their da'wah, what they call to, uh, what, what do they have in terms of uh, clarification. You, know, you look at all these things, you ask, you ask around, you ask people. There's nothing wrong with this in terms of, um, you know, seeking religion because this religion, this knowledge makes up your religion. So just in the same way as, for example, if uh, for marriage, you know, you want you want to get someone uh, someone married, you would investigate what is this person like, what's his background, what's his behaviour, what who does he mix with, who's this whatever, because you want the best for your for your son or for your daughter, right? And the same with trade and business, you want to do trade and business with somebody, right? Do you who, how do you you know? Uh, is this person reliable? Is he trustworthy? Who has he done business with before? You're going to do all those things. Why then when it comes to religion, you think, oh, no, no, no. Everybody and anybody who comes to me with anything, yes, I'll, you know, I'll take, opens tablighi nisab and opens this, or anything. Why are you going to, you, know, you don't do that. You want to know who this person is, who his background is, who he's mixing with, who he took knowledge from, who he visits, who he sits with, who he goes and befriends, whatever, till you know exactly what this, what this, individual is, is upon and this behavior of the, this this is not like I said it's not bid'ah this is something that the salaf themselves um, you know uh, used to do if I can find some uh, narrations you know and you you can't you can test people in certain ways it's not it's not it's not to, uh, totally prohibited um, yeah, page 52 by way of example Here are some narrations um, Judging a man by way of his companionship um, First of all the hadith of the messenger of Allah Al-mar'u ala dini khalilihi fa yanzur ahadukum man yukhalil We mentioned that already a man is upon the religion of his friend. Let him look at whom he befriends. And Ibn Mas'ud, he said, weigh the people or consider the people by their associates. A Muslim follows a Muslim and a Fajir follows a Fajir. A sinful person follows a sinful person. And he also said, indeed, a man only walks with and accompanies the one whom he loves. Or the one who is similar to him. And Abu Darda said, From the fiqh, from the understanding of a man, is whom he walks with, whom he visits and enters upon, and whom he sits with. From the fiqh of a man to know this. Who shall I sit with and not sit with? Who shall I walk with and not walk with? Who shall I visit and not visit? This is from the fiqh of a man to know this. And... Um, Yahya bin Abi Kathir, who said Suleiman bin Dawood, he said, this is Prophet Suleiman, this is, do not judge upon anyone until you see who does he befriend. And also, uh, Musa bin Uqba al-Suri came to Baghdad, this man came to Baghdad, and so the people went to Imam Ahmed and said, oh, this, this, this man here is come to Baghdad. So Imam Ahmed said, 
look at whose house he goes to, see where he goes to, and look at whom he basically stays with. Right? Then, then you know the reality of what this, what this man is. And um, I mean, there, are, there, are, there are many, many in, in, you know, narrations. Man anna lam the one who conceals his innovation from us will not be able to conceal his friendship from us. Al-Awza'i. Many, many statements. The point being, the point being that um, you can know the reality of what a person is upon by way of his friendship, by way of his, by way of his allegiances, by way of his, by way of his attitude and position to those who are already known and established with a history of calling to the sunnah and who are known by the ulama and who, you know, who, who have a clear history. There's no dubiosity. You know, okay, this one, that one, that one, that we know that they are the, you know, the people of, of sunnah salafiyyah in this land and in that land and that land. You, you know very clearly, right? See how they are towards them. This also is from the way of the salaf as well, right? Uh, wh- what, is, what is your position? What is your attitude? What is your statement towards the people of the sunnah in the land, the well-known established people of the sunnah? Right, so to cut a long, you know, answer short, um, a person has to follow this advice <coughs> and look at whom they are taking their knowledge from. And anyone who comes new, you should give them time, you know, and see what their reality is. You see many people coming and going. You, you see these people, this, uh, what's his name? Abu Taymiyyah al-Jilani. Man was a grave worshipper five, six years ago in Yemen somewhere. Probably on his early 20s. Now he's ended up in Medina. Now he's out there doing, you know, uh, this is the fitna of, of social media and YouTube because it allows everyone to pretend that he's a scholar and that he's, a, you know, and they throw themselves upon the people. And the people, you know, uh, and they do it by way of, oh, we'll teach you this book and we'll teach you that book and we'll teach you this book. We'll give you a course and you'll this and you'll learn this and, and, and we'll give you a certificate. And, and, uh, people like those things. Right? And then they'll fall for that. And they don't, don't know anything about the background of this individual. What does he even know? Uh, you know. So th- this is the great, like you said, this is, this is the great danger of the modern era. Um, that uh, uh, so many people thrust themselves upon other people and the average person gets, gets confused. So basically, the short answer is, uh, look at those who have precedence. Look at those who uh, the scholars ha- are known to the scholars and have been spoken of favorably by the scholars. Look at their history. Look at the dawah. Look at you know. Always look at you know who has brought who is bringing clarity. Right. That's why in history, why do you always hear the name of Imam Ahmed? Right. The names of the scholars you hear. They weren't the only scholars. There were thousands and thousands of scholars amongst the Muslims, good scholars. But why do you only, why do you only hear Imam Ahmed? Imam Malik, you know, uh, Muhammad ibn Sirin, you know, Abu Ubaid al-Qasim bin Sallam. Well, why do you hear certain names that we always mention, Sufyan al-Thawri? Why do you always hear? Well, because these are the scholars who actually clarified the sunnah and refuted bid'ah. Because they, they actually, they're, they're the ones who said, this is the path here, this is the path here, this is the path here. Right? They stood and they clarified what the path is. As a result of which those who came after they knew what the path is, that's why the, their names are always, always mentioned. That's why we hear Ibn al-Qayyim, Ibn Taymiyyah. Right? Because they, they clarified. That's why their names have been, have been made lofty. Because they are constantly mentioned. Right? But there are thousands of other scholars. 
very righteous, God-fearing scholars with knowledge, you know, in hadith, whatever. But they didn't have the effort and the juhud that these scholars had in actually clarifying the sunnah and exposing bid'ah so that the deen of Allah can remain intact. That's why they are remembered and mentioned. Right? So in the same way, if you want to know in any place, any location, who is upon the truth, you say, okay, well, I want to know in this land who... Who's clarifying the misguidance of the Rafida? Let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see our writings and works on Rafida, Sufiya, Takfiris, Ash'aris, whatever. Who, who are the ones who are clarifying this? Where, where are these people? Right? You ask these questions so you know who are, who are the, the people of the Sunnah. Not just in claim, but in actual pra- practicality as well. Right? And you, you know, you see people, unfortunately, they claim to be Salafi, they claim to be on the Sunnah, and uh, never ever do they speak in a single trial or tribulation to support the truth, like, you know, Adnan uh, Arur, Al Ma'rabi, Al Halabi, Al Ramadani, Al Hajuri, totally silent, don't have anything to say. And the first time they find an opportunity, you know, to attack uh, the people who have made those clarifications, they'll find the opportunity to attack, and you don't find any speech from them about anyone else. Right? You, you see these things and you can see, hang on, there's something not right here. Do you understand? Right? So there's many, many, basically there's many, many ways and avenues. But in general, a person should be cautious in rushing to take knowledge from someone who he doesn't really know anything about. And you should stick to people who have a, a long, you know the people in this country who have a long history. You know, uh, Abu Talha, rahimahullah, Abu Hakim, uh, Abu Khatija, you know, uh, you know there's Abu Idris. Abdul Ilah, Waysa Tawil, Hassan al-Somali, and others, you know, they, they have a history going back to the 90s, right? And their affair is known, and they are known to the scholars, right? So, go to them and ask them, what do you know of this person, what do you know of that person, what do you know of this person, and they will advise you, right? But stick to, the, stick to those who are actually well-known, you know, in, in, in your land, and... Um, you know, you will be safe in your religion, inshallah ta'ala. Time is Maghrib? Half past nine is the azan. Okay, it's five minutes. Okay, we'll, we'll end there, inshallah. We need, people need to make the one thing like that before the prayer. So, alhamdulillah, ya'bullah, ameen, wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ameen, wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ameen, wa sallam, ameen, wa sallam, ameen, wa sallam, 